you. Right. So we will continue our series of bold prayers. And we are looking at stories from the Bible where men and women made bold prayers. We are going to end with a woman uh, on the 22nd. We're looking at how men and women of God made bold prayers. And then how did God respond to their bold, bold prayers? And today's response again is a glorious response. And it's amazing. Last Sunday, we saw how Jesus said just one response, one word, come, come. He tells Peter, you know, and Peter's bold request is answered with a resounding come. And uh, that was, I hope that inspired you. We've looked at six stories from the Old Testament and one story from the New Testament. And uh, we're going to look at the second story, another request that was made to uh, Jesus. And uh, so let's just pray and dive into this. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, that you are an amazing God. There is none like you. We thank you for uh, speaking to us. We thank you that we serve a God of power. Lord, truly, your name is a powerful name. Your name is a name that is above all names. There is no match to your name. Father, we just pray and thank you and we ask you that you would come and speak to us this morning. Minister into our hearts, Lord. And uh, Lord, may your word come alive. We pray this in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Keep us from all distractions, Lord. And everybody stay on mute. Okay. Amen. All right. Okay. So uh, the story today, we, we've looked at Peter. I hope that story inspired you. This morning, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 8, which uh, incidentally has the story of the first storm. But we are not looking at that story. We are looking at another story, a story that amazed Jesus. Can you imagine anything that can amaze Jesus? Jesus is amazing. He amazes us. But what is it that amazed Jesus? And all the modern translations use that word. I'll give you a couple of other words that, are, that were also used. But uh, NIV, NET, NLT, all of them use the word. Jesus was amazed. I mean, let that sink in. We'll come to the story that bit. Okay. So this is the story, the famous story of the centurion. I'm sure some, many of you have read it. But if you have not, uh, I hope this story comes alive today. So who was a centurion? Well, firstly, uh, we know that Jesus, in the first century Israel, was under the Roman regime, which means the Roman Empire ruled virtually most of the world. They were a powerful empire and they were very organized. One of their um, trump cards was that they were an organized empire, you know, far more organized than we are in today's time with our Google diaries and calendars and all of that. They were, they were extremely organized, extremely systematic. And, uh, you know, we still use the Roman calendar today. We, re, we still study, the, we still use the Roman letters, you know, that I and X. So you can imagine after 2000 years, uh, their system has survived. And it's not a joke, right? So we're looking at, and uh, so what, what uh, the Romans did was they had an army. You know, just understand this because this will help us in our story. A troop. A team of soldiers was called a legion. A legion meant 6,000 soldiers. So usually when they wanted to attack, they would just send a legion, depending on the how strong the enemy is. A legion involved 10 cohorts. So very simple, a legion of 6,000 soldiers, 10 cohorts, which means every cohort is a, is a batch of 600. So if you don't need legion, you just send a cohort. 
each cohort at six centurions, which means a century. We all know, we all are familiar with cricket, and even otherwise, it's a word which means hundred, right? In Latin, centuria means hundred. So a centurion was a soldier who was responsible for hundred soldiers. Six centurions made a cohort, and ten cohorts made a legion. That was the Roman army. It was a powerful, powerful army, extremely organized with the finest of weapons, and their biggest USP were their soldiers, bold, strong, ruthless, and such was a centurion. You would become a centurion after fifteen, twenty years of service, unless you did something dramatic. Uh, Caesar could make you a centurion overnight, but uh, but mostly most centurions. I had a track record. It's it's exactly like our army, you know. You you get you grow in the ranks only when you've served with years of service, right? That that's how. And once you completed twenty five years, you even got a Roman citizenship. Imagine that was a big big deal for them. It was like receiving the Padma Bhushan or Padma Vibhushan. Uh, you know, it, it was that kind of a prestige for them. They could wear that badge, saying, "I am a Roman citizen." At this point, what we know about the centurion is he's definitely not a Jew because Jews were not enlisted in the Roman army. He may not be a Roman also; he may be a pure Gentile. Okay, because the first Roman convert, centurion convert, is in Acts ten. So this guy is not that. So now what we see is he's come to Jesus. Okay, so you've got the background who this man is. He's a centurion. He has hundred soldiers under him. He has uh, proven a track record. He's been with the army for a long time. He's known for his discipline. He's known for his diligence. He's known for his authority. Taking charge of an army of hundred men is not a joke, right? So he must have definitely deserved that uh, post. But why is he come to Jesus? Well, he'll tell us. Okay. So let's move on with this story. So he comes to Jesus. Jesus has been in the circuit for around a year. Okay. People know about Jesus. He's moved around Galilee. He's moved around other regions, and uh, he has—he's um, been popular. So people have heard of Jesus. I'm sure the centurion has heard of Jesus. Probably even seen Jesus in action, whether he was teaching or performing a miracle or uh, you know, probably confronting someone. Some one of those is his moments. So he comes and he he tells Jesus. He says, "Lord, how wonderful!" He acknowledges Jesus as Lord. You know, and he says, "Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly." Another translation says, "He's in extreme anguish. He's suffering." Firstly, the word "servant" is actually in Greek called the word "pais," which means slave, which is below servant. Okay, servants were those who were hired. Slaves were those that the owner owned them. It was as good as it was their property. so slaves were right at the bottom of the human chain if you say anything below slaves it would be the beggars or the prisoners or the or disease or the dead you know that, that that would be the rank so the slaves had no right they were their master's property so imagine if a slave got injured or did something wrong the master had the right to kill him to execute him it's like a dead horse You know, langda ghoda, bully mardo, khatam. I don't need him, and that's it. Nobody will ask you. Nobody will ask you. It's like throwing away your old shirt. You don't need 
the law, right? You don't need government's permission to throw away uh, if you've broken a cup or anything. That That's yours. It, you own it. That's how slaves were. They had absolutely no right. Now you wonder, here is a great commander, a centurion who has so many soldiers, probably many slaves under him. And yet he has come to Jesus for one of them. What does that tell you about him? You know, here is a man who is such a compassionate man. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So you, you understand there is so much in this verse. He comes to Jesus and says, my servant, my slave is at home. He's paralyzed. You can understand now. He's of no use to me. I can easily dispose him of. He's paralyzed. He's gone. He's, he's like, a, you know, there's a hole in the shirt. I'm going to throw this away now. But he says, no, Lord, I've come to you. I've come to you. We, we, we will see what he's saying. He's going to say, but he's saying he's suffering. He's suffering. And this year was a master who cared for his suffering slave. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, one master coming to another. Okay. So we will see that later. So what, what I want to say is, uh, brothers and sisters, the Bible time and again, time and again, tells us one characteristic of God. Is that God is a compassionate God. Hallelujah. Look at that. Psalm 103 verse 2. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Hallelujah. Four things about the Lord. He is compassionate. He is gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. If you do a search of this, these four, they appear very often in the Old Testament. Time and again, you will see this one verse coming with four characteristics. Not just in Psalm 103, in many other places. Many other places. Even in some other books, not just Psalms. It says the Lord is compassionate. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is slow to anger. And the Lord is abounding in love. Hallelujah. What a, what a character trait our God has. Amen. And brothers and sisters, compassion is something that the Lord delights in. We will see how Jesus will respond to him. But do you know that Jesus himself was full of compassion? Full of compassion. We, we, we know Jesus was most famous, most famous for his miracles, his healings and his teachings. Right? That is how the world would know Jesus today. You know, a man who performed great miracles, a man who performed outstanding healings and a man whose teachings revolutionized uh, the first century and even today. Now, many are inspired. I want to show you uh, the next slide and look at this very carefully. It's slightly small. I will read it for you. But I want to tell you three verses. One on a miracle, one for healing, one for teaching. Look at this. Matthew 15 verse 32 says, Jesus summoned his disciples and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and I have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away fasting or they might faint on their way. Interesting, right? Jesus is saying, this is Javardastika fasting. I don't want such kind of fasting where they've not had anything to eat. They will faint. Yeah. But look at where it stemmed from. It stemmed from compassion. Hallelujah. You know what happens next? We all know what happens next. It's the story of Jesus taking five loaves and two fish and feeding 5,000 plus. Hallelujah. Amen. But where did that whole miracle come from? It came from compassion. Amen. Let's look at the next story. Mark 1, 41, 42. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be clean. And as soon as Jesus had spoken, 
immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed hallelujah amen you see it was forbidden it was forbidden to come anywhere close forget touching forget touching anywhere close to a person with leprosy it was forbidden according to the law you know there were there were a lot of these uh, quarantine um, commands given to an israelite that if he came in contact he had to go out he, he had to you know be examined by the uh, priest and all of that but jesus was so moved with compassion that he said you know what <laughs> forget the law i'm going to touch him and i'm going to heal him hallelujah you see a story of compassionate miracle compassionate healing look at mark 6 verse 34 when jesus landed and saw a large crowd he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without shepherd so he began teaching them many things amen amen you see what a compassionate god we serve you know the god we have why am i saying so much brothers brothers and sisters because we are in a season where god requires us to show compassion men even to the undeserving even to those who may not know us who may be probably you know really suffering at this moment and i am so grateful to be a part of cbn i i just want to quickly say because cbn is extremely active with humanitarian work and uh, i get to advertise them you know in every episode i am i'm least involved with them but i just feel what a privilege it is for me to pitch for their um, compassionate works you know their humanitarian work whether it is uh, feeding the poor or serving the children or serving the sick or bore wells or you know food to the covid positive so many compassion works that cbn is involved in and i think it's 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 an absolute privilege that i get to pitch it every time or even a call center that serves so many people through prayer and ministry i would encourage you what are you doing do you have a compassionate heart pray to the lord in the season of prayer and fasting you know that if you are not a compassionate person that is very sad pray that you will grow in compassion say lord i want to feel compassionate about people who are suffering around me i don't want to be self obsessed with me it's not just about me i mean myself no 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 you know if people are hurting around you volunteer and say what can i do not all of us can give money but all of us can give time all of us can give service you know some of us will be able to even contribute saying i am very busy but i can contribute i know some people in like that in masia who always put their hand up and said you know i can i can do that i can be there for this person when he's hurting brothers and sisters you and i must grow in compassion because the god we serve is a god of compassion jesus was so mightily impressed with this guy you know just hearing that one statement jesus calculated how oh, this guy is he must have summarized this whole thing in his mind and jesus tells him jesus said to him matthew 8 verse 7 i will come and heal him amen jesus is willing to go out of the way he says listen i am coming with you i i don't even care how far you stay or where you've come from i am accompanying you and i will many people came and said you know come jesus can you please come with me and uh, jesus did mostly respond to their invitation except for this one time when lazarus was sick and you know that story how that ended you know but otherwise but jesus is so impressed with him he just quickly responds by saying i will come and heal him now because i think jesus has gauged what kind of a, a one kind of a guy he is but look at it 
Now there is still something that is going to shock Jesus. And that is the response of the centurion. Now centurion says, Matthew 8 verse 8, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. Now, all people around Jesus want to wait a minute, what's wrong with this dude? You know, Jesus is saying, I'm coming to your house. And he's saying, no, 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 Lord, don't come, don't come. People are like, wait, but you just came with a request, right? Yeah, now will come the bold, bold request, bold prayer. He says, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. Only say the word and my servant shall be healed. That's the bold prayer. He says, just say the word. No, why are you bothering to come, Lord? If you don't need to come. Just say the word. Just say the password. You know, you just say it. You don't have to come to my house to key in on my laptop. Just say the password and I'll log in on your behalf. You understand? You understand how this guy is uh, estimating Jesus? I'll come to that. Okay, I'll come to that. But look at this. Look at how he starts. Look at what a humble man this, uh, this fellow is. I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. That's his foundation. He's saying, Lord, why should you come for me? Where are you and where am I? Why should you come for me, Lord? You know, Job said this, Job 40 verse 4. I am unworthy. Of the most righteous man on planet Earth said this. I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I put my hand over my mouth, which simply means in our modern terms, I zip my lip. I, I shut my mouth in your presence, Lord, because you are so amazing. You are so amazing. Look at Paul, one of the mightiest apostles uh, in all history, said this. I am the least of the apostles who is not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the assembly of God. One of the traits of a mighty man of God, when I say man as in male and female, okay? mighty men and women of God is they are compassionate and they are humble. Yeah, you understand now where the centurion rates in terms of characteristic, he's some dude, right? God loves humility, brothers and sisters. I'm not going to overstress this point. We all understand that. But there is something called entitlement, which is becoming very prominent today. You know, a lot of people feel, I am entitled for this. I am entitled for that. It is my rights. It is my, you know, what do you call about liberation and rights and this and that. And they take out morchas and you know, they, they, they have hartals and all of that. They go on strike saying, I am entitled for this. I am entitled for that. Someone said this, the most harmful and selfish sentence begins with, I deserve. I deserve this. You understand this guy? He's saying, Lord, I don't deserve for you to come under my roof. I don't deserve this. My friends, the, the opposite of entitlement is humility. Saying, Lord, I deserve nothing from you. You know, sometimes we can feel, listen, Lord, I've been fasting and praying for two weeks. Okay, so I deserve this now. Oh, wait a minute. I just want to clarify. Okay. We, we pray and we fast because we love God and we hunger for him. Hallelujah. Not so that we can arm twist him to get our way. Yeah. I hope we, we understand that. Humility is such an important trait in the Bible. The Bible is full of verses on humility. Look at this. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And you will see how the centurion is going to be exalted. He's going to have his name written in the scriptures uh, for one. 
He says, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Brothers and sisters, we must come with that heart of saying, Lord, I deserve nothing. You gave your very life for a wretched sinner like me. What more can I ask for? I am not entitled for anything, Lord. I deserve nothing. All that I have is out of your grace and out of your abundant love. Thank you for your grace and your compassion and your love. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. But this is what he says. He says, Lord, I don't deserve for you to come under my roof, but just say the word. Ooh. He says, just say, just say the word, Lord. Just say the word, right? Just, just give me your password. I've got everything logged in. You don't need to come to my home to log in. Just say the word and it will happen. I was so amazed that Chani, uh, the focus of Chani's um, praise and worship this morning was power. Right, Chani? Every song had that. You know, power, power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. This man we're just introduced to understands the power of Jesus's word. Amen. For us, it's his name because he's not in present here, but we understand the name of Jesus has great power. Hallelujah. He knew the word of Jesus had great power. I'm not sure whether he was familiar with John 1.1. 1, 1. I'm not sure because this was written much later. I'm talking about even the concept that it says in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Hallelujah. Amen. Who is it talking about? Of course it's talking about Jesus. As you scroll down, you will see all things, John says, were created by him. Man, Colossians, again, underlines that. Colossians 1 verse 16. It says, all things were created by him, for him, through him. Amen. That is Jesus, the, the word of God. Jesus, the word became flesh, John would say, and he dwelt among us. Hallelujah. We have seen him. We have touched him. We have felt him. And that is none other than Jesus. The centurion understood something about Jesus. Now listen to his argument. Now he said, he's already said a lot. He said, Lord, I don't deserve you to come under my roof, but you say the word. And my slave will be healed. But now he has a logic to his faith. We often talk about, you know, faith versus logic. This is faith based on logic. Isn't it amazing? That's why I find this story so, uh, you know, fascinating. Look at his He says, I am a man under authority. I just explained to you what a centurion is, right? He says, I am a man under authority. There are bosses that I have, that I report to. And I have soldiers under me. Hundred of them, to be precise. I have soldiers under me. And I say to this one man, hey, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. Now, anyone who's been in any base camp, you know what I'm talking about, right? You've seen the discipline of a soldier. Next level. And to my servant, I say to my servant, to my slave, do this. And he does it. No questioning. No asking. Why? What? That is what we do here. You know, in the church we do. It's not. doesn't happen in the military. It doesn't happen in the army, right? You go means go. You come means come. So servant, do this. And he does it without questioning. So this man understands authority. Hallelujah. Amen. He understands authority. You know, and no, no better person than a soldier to know what authority is, brothers and sisters. If you, if you had any exposure, sadly in our nation, we don't have this. 
But many nations, do you know many nations, including Israel, had this, that the moment you become 18, men or and women, mind you, you enlist yourself in the Navy or the Army or the Air Force. They enlist you for two years, for one year, for 18 months. You know, they have a certain duration. And you have to, there's no choice. You have to do this service. It's only then that you get certain privileges of becoming a citizen. So till then, you are young. You don't have the adult rights. The moment you become an adult, whether it is 16, 17, 18, depending on the nation that you're a part of, they enlist you in the army. What does that do to an individual? It does a few things. It creates a certain discipline in their life. It creates dedication for your nation. And it, you, know, you value what your soldiers do for you. Hallelujah. We are only exposed to our soldiers through movies. You know, that, that's our impression of our soldiers. We have no idea how they live in deserts at one time and then suddenly they go to, you know, Shiaching where there is freezing temperatures. I think none of us can survive. We are such city bred people. You know, hats off to our soldiers. Hats off to our soldiers. Can we give the Lord a big round of applause for our soldiers? Uh, God bless them. God bless them for the way they serve us so sacrificially. So sacrificially. You see what a life of a soldier is. Not only risking it, but away from his family with such hard a uh, life around them. You know, sometimes they're just drinking dal. That's all they have. You've seen those videos and all, right? And um, yeah, that is, again, I feel, you know, we must regularly pray for our soldiers. And uh, I have the utmost respect for our um, workers who have been frontline workers forever, in fact. They are the ones who take the bullet for us. So please have great uh, respect and discipline for our soldiers, brothers and sisters. They are amazing. They show dedication. They show discipline. They show devotion. So this was a man who understood. Mind you, it's a Roman regime. If you get it wrong, you're a dead duck. So here was a man who understood what was authority. He said, listen, I am a man under authority and I'm a man in authority. I'm both. Okay, I understand what it is to be under authority and I know what it is to have authority. He says, Lord, that is who you are. Now you are next level. Your authority is a spiritual authority. You understand the revelation this man has? Yeah. Not only is he a disciplined guy, not only does he have authority, not only is he compassionate, not only is he humble, but look at the revelation that this fellow has. You know, you really want to meet the centurion when you go to heaven. Uh, I'm sure he'll be there because he said to Jesus, the, you know, Jesus is Lord. His name is there in the scriptures with such story. I wouldn't be surprised if I see him. And it says it's the tale of two masters. You know, one is an earthly master, but the earthly master recognized the heavenly master. Hallelujah. Very often disciples called Jesus master. You see that in the scriptures, right? But here was a man who had a divine revelation, if I may say. He had a divine revelation of who Jesus was. And when he answered, you know, he estimated Jesus's power. Friends, do we estimate how great our God is? Because that will shape our prayer. That will shape our fasting. That will shape our living. When you and I in our hearts estimate who God is, then your life 
your giving, your serving will all be based on this simple estimation of who God is and what he can do for me. Amen. Hallelujah. That is faith. Faith is simply an estimation of who God is. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Note this down. You know, because this is something the Lord spoke to me. So what is faith? Faith is simply estimating how powerful, how magnificent, how loving, you know, how gracious, how compassionate our God is. Amen. And when you've got the right estimation of God, God, your faith surmounts. Now your faith is like the faith of the centurion. How do you view Jesus in your heart? How do you view Jesus? The disciples were around Jesus, but none of them ever made such a statement. In fact, they panicked when they were in a storm. They said, Lord, wake us. I mean, don't you care? We are going to die. That showed an estimation of Jesus. The Pharisees and the Sadducees estimated Jesus differently. And here was a centurion who was estimating Jesus totally differently. Amen. Amen. So it's for each one of us to decide in our hearts, how do we view Jesus? How do we see Jesus? How do we estimate Jesus? When Jesus heard this, okay, now this is a staggering verse. Rarely will you find in the Bible something like this. It says, when Jesus heard this, he marveled. He was amazed. He was zapped. He was like, what just happened? <laughs> what did he just say? You know, I like, no one had estimated Jesus in that category. So this is the first time it says, Jesus heard this. He marveled and said to those who followed him. So mind you, there was a crowd there and said, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Whoa, what commendation. What commendation to this guy, right? He tells everyone, he doesn't tell him, he tells everyone, he says, you know what, there is no one like this dude. You know, Jesse, Jesse, koi nahi. <laughs> His cases are koi nahi, right? You know, there is, he's one of a kind. Do you, you get what I'm saying? Jesus is looking at the crowd and saying, you know, you, you just heard him. He's estimated me correctly. And Jesus marveled at this Gentile. It's, it's always the Gentile. Last Sunday, again, we have a Gentile story on the 22nd. It's the Gentiles who recognize Jesus. How sad the Jews failed to recognize their Messiah. But it's the Gentiles who recognized who truly, truly Jesus was. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What a response. Now, there is another passage in the Bible, which will shock you. There is another passage in the Bible where Jesus was amazed. There are only two passages in the Bible where, where it says Jesus was amazed. Jesus amazed many people. You will read the word amazed. You will find many places where they were amazed at what Jesus did. They were amazed at what Jesus said. They were amazed at his teachings. Vagera, vagera. But there are two places in the Bible where Jesus got amazed. This is one. The story of the centurion. I'm showing you the next one. That's in Mark chapter 6 verse 6. It says, he marveled. Again, the same verse. He marveled because of their unbelief. He went around the villages teaching. This is a story where Jesus comes into his hometown and they just refuse to acknowledge Jesus. They say, no, 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 you are nothing. You are the son of Joseph, the carpenter, and we know your brothers and sisters. So don't try and prove yourself to be somebody. And says Jesus couldn't perform any miracles there. And he marveled because of their unbelief. You see the contrast 
these are two extremes you know poles apart there is one who is who jesus is marveling for his faith for his belief and then there is this whole town this whole city uh, where they are full of unbelief and jesus is marveling at them too saying wow you amazed me with your unbelief and to the centurion jesus says you have amazed me with your belief friends look at this faith versus unbelief right faith and belief doubt and unbelief the point is the interesting point is with both jesus marvels jesus is amazed with both amazing jesus it's not jesus is amazing i'm saying how are you going to amaze jesus how are we going to amaze jesus it's a question for each one of us are we going to amaze jesus with our faith with our extraordinary faith of estimating who he is or are we going to amaze jesus with our unbelief it's a question only you and i can answer it's a personal answer that we need to give i hope we all say that i want to amaze jesus with faith hallelujah hallelujah what a bold prayer the centurion made say the word lord say the word say it from here and that's it this is how the story ends and jesus said to the centurion go he came with a come now he goes with a go he says go let it be done just as you believed it would jesus gives him the final word he says yeah okay go you you've asked for something i've given it to you it's a bold request it's an answer to a bold request right jesus said to peter he said come to the centurion he says go hallelujah ha mail milap aa raha hai ki nahi aa raha hai ki come and go he said to us come who are heavy laden and go and make disciples you know two words that jesus used often he says go let it be done as you believed it would and this is how the story ends and his servant was healed at that moment at that hour at that ghadi at that moment the servant was healed hallelujah god knows where he was how far he was the moment jesus even didn't say be healed or this and that nothing he said yeah go i saw your faith and according to your faith it will be answered and the centurion turned and started going home he must have reached home and said to his family and that guy paralyzed guy bole fully are sir ab aa gaye kidhar the aap tere healing ke chakkar mein gaya tha main you know it's amazing how this faith this faith of a centurion brother and sister i really really hope he's inspired us in this season of prayer and fasting it is my one prayer that we will amaze jesus with our faith hallelujah hallelujah amen say this say this loudly I want to amaze Jesus with my faith. I want to amaze Jesus with my faith. Brothers and sisters, we have opportunity today. The situation that we are in, let's practice compassion. Let's reflect humility and let us amaze our Lord with our faith. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray an end. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this story. we thank you for this centurion whose name even we don't know lord but what a man what a what a character 
we thank you for his amazing story lord for his amazing example of such great faith lord we pray that we will be ones who will amaze you our stories will be written in the lamb's book of life that we amazed you with our faith lord we want to be those lord who like the centurion estimate you correctly not the way the world estimates you not the way others estimate you but lord estimating you for who you are may our faith amaze you may our belief amaze you as a church lord as we enter into as we come to a conclusion of our season of prayer and fasting lord we pray that you will uh, empower us lord to live a life of great faith our faith will be demonstrated also lord i pray that you will make us compassionate compassionate lord maybe some of us were brought up in a in a manner that we were so selfish in our thinking but that is who we were now we want to imitate our lord we want to be like our god full of compassion slow to anger gracious and abounding in love help us to be that lord help us to walk in humility lord not to uh, believe that we are entitled and we deserve no lord we truly are unworthy we truly are unworthy we deserve nothing lord thank you for choosing us thank you for rescuing us thank you for giving us a good life thank you for giving us the abundant life thank you for dying for us and giving us the gift of eternal life thank you for all of that lord thank you jesus glory and honor be to you and all god's people said amen amen